0: Coming up after 10.15, I've got two neuroscientists who will join us. We're going to talk about the impact of COVID on our neurobiology. We'll talk about resilience, suicide, minority groups that may be even more impacted and something that you might be able to help out with a study that you might uh, like to contribute to. It's all happening after 10:15. but just...
1: Let's take a look at the inbox. Make a connection anytime at 514-800.
0: You know, you can always send me your uh, questions, your comments, your rants to laurie at com by email, or you can text me right here, right now at 514-800. This is a a usual uh, email that I get uh, probably a few times a week, people who are just frustrated but I will share since today we are going to talk about the impact of the pandemic on people's mental health. Dr. Laurie, like so many others, I'm at the end of my rope. Now, this is not a way of life. I am just tired of all this under all these masks. There are no smiling faces People are unhappy and have, and have been for a long time now. We have become prisoners under house arrest, even though that sounds extreme, closing down places of entertainment and leaving people with little to do. Painting and crafts was a fun pastime, but I have done more in the last six months than in the last three years. I'm with you on that one, by the way. Uh, Days have been predictable and nights sometimes unbearable. How much does the government think we can all take? On French radio today, they had some owners of bars and small restaurants on, and they said if the 28 day shutdown is extended, they will not reopen and close up permanently putting more people out of work. Some establishment owners have stated they will all defy any law to stay open, and if the police chain the doors, they will claim bankruptcy and the chains will never come off. All the establishments closed now are because of the few that did not practice the guidelines but are all paying and the public suffers. I am for guidelines, social distancing, and masks, but enough is enough. Pass a law that states establishments will be shut down If they do not follow guidelines and the ones that do will prosper enough already. Am I going crazy? Am I alone? Well, I think uh, a little later when you hear from our neuroscientists, they will certainly tell you that you are definitely Uh, not alone so many people frustrated exactly with the things that you're frustrated about and yes we will have our moments and moments of sadness and moments of anger Um, all of that is part of normal it's all part of what we are all experiencing to some degree or another some people far far more um, far more impact on their mental health and Others a little less so, but I don't think I know anybody who hasn't been impacted even at least a living in all of the, uh... you can share your thoughts as well. 514-800 after 1015, we're going to focus on our mental health issues related to the pandemic, but from a, a neurobiology point of view opener for you. Here's a question for you. I am a male who likes to wear pantyhose, panties, dresses, and then call phone sex lines to get off. I didn't even know those still existed. Uh, what can or should I do? So here sounds to me, um, like you have a transvestite fetish and I believe like any other fetish, as long as you're not hurting anyone, uh, or you're not hurting yourself, I don't think there's any need to actually do anything if this is something though that is causing you psychological or relationship hardship or distress distress is the key word here in any diagnosis it has to cause you distress, uh, then, uh, then you want to speak to a professional about it. So uh, certainly you can also go online and find many forums where uh, you can meet other uh, transvestites so that you, you can get the, uh, the support. And just to, as, just for information here, There's a myth around transvestites that they are uh, somehow not straight or what have you. But the majority of um, men who like to dress up in in women's uh, lingerie, for example, or underneath their clothes are, in fact, straight men. So, sir, writes, we must protect each other. Some will feel more pain than others. I have been in that situation and yes we do, you're right about that we must protect each other we must be there for each other so when somebody reaches out extend your hand uh, and we have to just be think just maybe a bit more vigilant around us to the people who might need our help more I think we all get caught up in and I'm guilty of that too you know get caught up in in work and our own bubbles and and what have you and we forget to uh to reach out as, as we should. And part of it for me is I get tired of talking a lot. So I don't, you know, I don't pick up the phone so often and, and I know I should do more. And that's my, my vow to myself to try and do more and connect with more people, uh, on just to say hello, just to say, Hey, how are you doing? Is everything all? you need anything? Okay, well, here's another question about uh, lingerie and men. Uh, Two questions. I love wearing male thongs. I like the way I feel in them. Is this common? Because it seems most people frown on them. Secondly, where is the best place or way to find a loyal and faithful woman that's into swinging? So first, uh, your first question, wearing female clothing is, um, it's not that it's, Again, it's not so uncommon. It's not the norm, but it's certainly not uncommon. But it is, like I said earlier, uh, part of uh, a fetish, uh, and maybe that's what it is. Unless you're wearing thongs because you don't want panty lines, I, you know, that would be for a different reason, I guess. I don't know. Um but most fetishes like you say are not so well understood and yes they are frowned upon because of this lack of understanding but again as long as your behavior is consensual and doesn't distress you then why does this have to be an issue as for finding a partner where you who you can swing with i think the the best route to take is to go uh, on a swinging lifestyle website and there, and they have like ads for meetups and, you know, women's and men's, whatever, like they've got those kinds of ads there. So you can at least find a like-minded partner. Don't, don't go into a new relationship thinking you're going to convince the partner to be into swinging. Like you want to have that conversation right off the bat. I am not a monogamous guy. I like, I like consensual non-monogamy. So either you're in or you're not like it's let the other person, um, decide. So obviously you want to discuss that desire, um, ahead, ahead of time. Coming up, we are going to talk about the impact of uh, the pandemic on our mental health from a neurobiological perspective, if you will. I want to talk about resilience. We'll talk about suicide. We'll talk about minority groups and minority stress. That is an added layer to the stress we're experiencing with the pandemic. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's passion with CGAD eight hundreds, Dr. Lori Batito. So before I introduce my guests to you, I want to share this poem from our passion poet. It has to do with tonight's topic. It it is long and hard, and still no end in sight. Our patience running thin. Everyone's so uptight. The numbers still high. More areas turned red. More establishments closed or just hanging by a thread the government passing laws that directly affect your family they are controlling the people and who we can or cannot see berlin was a city split in half germans in the west began to shout it was not built to stop people from getting in but to stop people from getting out i know it's a bad analogy but how far can this go maybe checkpoints in every town what dictatorial laws will they bestow there has to be some common ground that will allow businesses to thrive and at the same time, some normality so we can we all can mentally revive. There is no one easy answer, no wise old man we can ask. Just keep closing down businesses, the six foot rule and wear a mask. We are like mice in a maze, the walls beginning to squeeze. There is no light to guide us and there is still no cheese. I have faith in medical science, soon a vaccine for me and you. Do you think I'm just dreaming or have I lost my mind too? So let's talk about losing our minds because uh, in not so many words, that's what a lot of us are doing during this. It's what, our seventh, eighth month in all of this. So here to talk about our minds uh, and uh, all the narrow From, you know, yeah, about our minds, basically. We have uh, Dr. Robert Paul Juster. He is a neuroscientist. He's an assistant research professor in the Department of Psychiatry and Addiction at uh, U of M. He is a stress scientist, so has been studying the causes and consequences of chronic stress. We also have uh, Daniel Almeida, who is a PhD uh, candidate. He's he's also a sex researcher, actually. He's been on the program before. He's a molecular neuroscientist. A lot of his research has focused on uh, suicide on the effects of uh, child abuse on the human brain and you might have seen his picture in Forbes magazine because he was one uh, he was the in the uh, 30 under 30 list for science in Forbes and congratulations that's so cool to see you there it was really Thank great you so much. Uh, All right, this is a heavy-duty topic. And, of course, as you heard and and, uh, speaking to all these um, people over the the last few months, how many are, in fact, uh, suffering from this? And we are all going a little bit uh, crazy to some degree. There's crazy and there's crazy, obviously, but all of us are impacted um, by this. From your standpoint, as a scientist, what are the psychological impacts of COVID-19? Like, what is the research up to date? Like, you guys have had to, like, speed up your research, obviously, right? You're both working on on, on things related to COVID, which means you had to, like, really get in there quickly. What does the research show now?
1: I would say across the board, um, people's mental health is, is poorer now than it's ever been. Um I think the stress and fatigue that we're all experiencing is, is, um, you know, we're all faced with a universal stressor. We're all a little bit out of control. But at the same time, we are in control with the behaviors that we can take to try and minimize the infection. So it's it's a bit of a a sticky situation because we've been through these kinds of situations in the past. The Urbanic plague, the Spanish flu, we'll get through this. But we all feel right now like um, there is no end in sight. And I think that lack of control is really what stresses people out.
0: Yeah, that a, creates chronic stress without no end in sight. Right. So what about anxiety and depression rates? Because everybody's feeling, uh, everyone I've, I've spoken to has moments of feeling down. So we can feel down, we can feel uh somewhat depressed or what what have you but there's there's depression where it's um diagnosis right uh, and anxiety uh and then there's feeling anxious and and feeling down which i think uh, pretty much everybody has felt daniel what is what what does the research say about the rise in anxiety and depression
2: yeah, so there was actually a study, a few studies that have been done through CAMH, the Centre for Addiction and Mental Health. And what they're seeing is that nearly a quarter of women are experiencing moderate to severe anxiety, and then about 17.9% of men. So you're seeing a bit of a difference uh, mm-hmm. between men and women. And it's interesting that you sort of see the same difference in loneliness, where more women are reporting that they're experiencing lon- loneliness and more men are or less men are reporting um, that. So there's sort of loneliness as, as a factor that's that's moderating hmm. um, a lot of the anxiety and depression that they're experiencing.
0: Interesting, because – and I would say that women are feeling more lonely because they, in fact, are more social to begin oh. with, right? So they depend – um, more on their social circle, their social network, their friendships to talk and to unload. And, and we do this, women do this. We've been doing this forever. Um, and it's okay. We've been taught that, Hey, we, we can do this. Whereas men don't do so much of that with, with each other. So, that's what I'm hearing is that I hear women saying, I miss hugging my friends. I miss, you know, just sitting and chatting and having a cup of coffee with my friends. So I can understand where that loneliness is, uh, why that's coming up more than anything. Somebody has a, a question and maybe you can answer this. Can the stress of COVID make a person that is bipolar worse? Who wants that? <laughs>
2: yeah. So, yeah, yeah. actually, I think that uh, pre existing mental illness is probably one of the greatest predictors of whether or not somebody's experiencing a lot of distress right now, right? Uh, underlying mental illness is a risk factor for suicide. It's a risk factor for tons of things, right? So, I, I think that's actually one of the groups that we really need to be uh, paying a really close attention to and having a lot of Um, public engagement around that, sort of individuals who who were previously suffering and sort of have this additional level of stress to deal with now.
0: Right. I also worry about people who have had, who are followed in psychiatry, for example, when, and then when everything shut down and doctors were were not at the hospital anymore, or it was getting harder to get an appointment or what have you, that uh, people might have fallen through the cracks a little bit. Happen?
1: I think so, and I, I, I mean, the mental health has completely changed because of COVID. I have a lot of friends like that are clinical psychologists like you, and you know, in many ways, they've had to adapt to to, to doing everything by Zoom. And unfortunately, a lot of people are getting through the cracks. One group in particular that is heavily affected are, are transgender and gender diverse people because mm. they are having a hard time getting access to um, to hormones. Um, and and right. know, they are among many other groups of people that are just not able to get healthcare access in this in this time more easily.
0: I think it's important that we we talk about minorities. So all kinds of minorities. I think you hear we hear the stories. Certainly, we hear in the states that the uh, that people of color are hit harder by COVID. Uh, we hear it. I'm not sure what it is here, but there's minorities experience uh, also stress about being a minority. So there's minority stress and now you add this other stress. So uh, I think we need to be able to talk about this and se- and just sensitize the public about this as well. Daniel, what would you, what would you?
2: Uh, so I think, yeah, when it comes to mental health, all the same barriers with respect to physical health exist, right? So if you look at, um, like, uh, race, if you look at, uh, whether a person is a sexual or gender, uh, minority, any of these factors, you know, they have barriers for accessing physical services for physical health. And it's, it's just the same, if not worse for, worse for mental health, um, as well.
0: So it's gotten worse. There's, I think all around it's gotten worse and, and that's even the, for people waiting for medical interventions for, maybe things that are not so major, but to the person suffering, it's pretty major. Everything's been put on hold. And so I worry a lot about people who may not be taking their medication, who are suffering from mental health issues, who aren't leaving the house, who are um, isolating uh, themselves and then getting lost in, in this whole thing. So I'm hoping people will vote to, if you know somebody who is suffering, uh, out. And, and again, to go back to the, uh, can COVID that stress make a, a person's um, mental health worse if they already have a pre-existing condition like uh, bipolar disorder or depression or anxiety? These are all things that clearly can um, can increase with this type of stress. With it it is very difficult to get someone some help who is bipolar without basically reporting them to the police, and we know how that can end. So if they're acting out or, or if they're in a manic phase and they are, they're at risk of hurting themselves, it's the only it's the only way to go. I mean, you, it, you don't have many options there, although I, I hear you. Text writes, COVID-19, I'm sure, causing issues at home with couples and uh, kids of course that's uh we're not we're, we're talking about mental health of adults but what about the mental health of children i don't does anybody ha- have you seen any studies about mental health of kids uh dr robert
1: so i, I know domestic abuse pretty much across uh, canada has, has increased uh since uh 19 okay. a lot of uh youth protection services are also being uh, called more often now than, than ever. I think it's particularly bad. I, I don't know if I've seen any data to speak to this, but it just anecdotally speaking to people, uh, gender non-conforming kids, so kids that might be a little bit more effeminate if they're uh, boys or more masculine, if they're girls, are also experiencing more uh, abuse from their parents. And unfortunately, in this situation, they're they're kind of stuck with them at home. So whatever whatever dynamics are, are, are there normally are, are a little bit more... Um, out of Kilter now.
0: Right, and they also well up until recently they didn't have the school to be the their you know their safe place or exactly. where they could actually be um, identified by school counselors and such. Coming up, I want to talk to uh, these neuroscientists, uh, Dr. Robert Paul Juster and Daniel Almeida. We'll talk about crisis competence, or res- I guess you're talking about resiliency here is, and how we handle it, and why some people might fare better than others, uh, plus of course our stupid sex story of the day. With Dr. Lori Batido on CJAD 800. All right, gonna, we've been talking about COVID and its impact on our uh, on our mental health with some specialists, but let me get to our stupid sex story. You might you might want to cover your ears for this one. Most horrifying sex injuries, or I know some guys will be squeezing their legs together. I think that's when something is ooh. Uh, so, and these are from so these are some examples exotic special ordered venomous spider up the arse a guy called an ambulance because he wasn't sure if he could put bug bite cream up there too because the packaging said for external use only he lost his entire transverse section of his bowel he lived but poops in a bag now Uh, a dude stuck a pencil up his urethra Wood is porous. It got stuck for a day. He couldn't pee around it. And initially that's what his complaint was, urinary retention. Finally, in the exam room, when the doctor asked him, "Uh, hello, what happened? Uh, What's with the eraser sticking out of your penis? Then the guy fessed up. He ended up needing surgery. This guy was 70, old enough to know better. An anesthesiologist had a patient come in. (laughs) This This one takes the cake that had poured concrete in his butt while trying to make a custom dildo. They had to chisel the concrete out of his rectum. (laughs) I know many of you are like, oh my God, right? Uh, And this 26-year-old decided to be circumcised. His doctor told him not to have sex after he was circumcised. He didn't listen. It peeled like a banana. Oh, now you're squeezing your legs together, aren't you? Um, oh man. And then there was a circumcision, a guy who, after hearing his girlfriend had never been with anyone who was circumcised, took it upon himself to perform said circumcision with box cutters. He was in the OR within the hour, uh, Florida man came in with an avocado way up there after much lube and whatever they gave him to relax his body. The thing shot out like a cannonball and splatted against the wall. <laughs> and then one last one, they didn't have any of their usual toys in arm's reach and she didn't want to, to break to get them. She looks around the bathroom to see what's there that she can use. Lands on the toilet bowl brush proceeds to stick the hand handle up his butt All is well until she tries to take it out. It was one of those brushes with a hook on the handle so you can hang it. She pulls it out and hooks on the side of his rectum and pulls some of his insides out with it and prolapses his rectum. These are all true emergent stories. They're more ridiculously sick stories rather than stupid stories, but these are things that happen. But cool, let's move on to more important things, shall we? <laughs> Sorry to have done this to you, gentlemen. Uh, Dr. Robert Paul Juster, I don't know if you've seen any of this stuff in your practice. I guess as a neuroscientist, scientist, probably not. Uh, he is a researcher, neuroscientist at the U of M. He uh, studies stress, chronic stress. Uh, Daniel Amida is a PhD candidate in neuroscience at McGill. He, uh, taught, he researches resiliency and suicide and um, minority stress and all kinds of stuff. So we've been talking about the impact. Now, I, I got a few questions that I think um, I am to share with you. My company has not given a definite date when I must go back to the office. I work from home, but take care of my my elderly mom. I'm so stressed to think going back to the office, sharing spaces, being exposed to COVID, what do I do? So this person is not the only one in this situation because many of us have been working from home And the thought about going back to work, just the thought of it is causing so much anxiety for people. But you know, what I've noticed is companies are looking at new ways of doing, of employing people now, right? They see that it can work working from home. So you may have a case where you can talk in terms of compassion and ask them for their compassion. You have an elderly uh, parent that you're taking care of. So, don't worry about then. Let's focus on the now and what you can do now. That's that's really, really important. And I wonder if this is part of resiliency, Daniel. Can we talk about the biology of resiliency? Your,
2: yes, absolutely.
0: Your favorite thing to talk about?
2: <laughs> One of my favorite topics. Um, you know, for a very long time, researchers have been interested in, you know, who's susceptible for developing a mental illness. And and now more recently, we've become so fascinated by who's resilient. And in a lot of studies, you can see sort of personality traits, you can see uh, coping strategies, uh, whether or not they have strong social support systems. But on a biological level, what I think is so fascinating is that people who are resilient have more sort of biological changes than somebody who is Uh, Mm -hmm. And so resiliency is almost like a sword as opposed to just a shield. It's not as simple as not responding negatively to something, but rather mounting this sort of adaptive response um, in this way. So the molecular biology is, is, I think, really interesting in looking at the brain using animal models. Is really interesting in this context.
0: So it's building something different rather than just building a wall to protect yourself from it. Is what you're saying? So adapting to the environment rather than just protecting yourself from the environment. Is that you it? You got
2: it. Yeah.
0: So interesting. That's uh, how does it? What does it do in the brain without getting too um, you know sciency? Like what happens to the brain? <laughs> Can you describe that in an easy way? <laughs> yeah.
2: You know, resilience, is it's such a complicated topic, and we're only starting to learn about it now and only starting to understand the pathways and the molecules that are involved. But, you know, processes that are involved in the brain's ability to remodel itself. So neuroplasticity seem to be involved. The ability of neurons to sort of flourish in the brain and to be surrounded um, by other neurons and form new connections. That's sort of something mm. else that seems to be involved as well.
0: Okay, that's, uh, that's interesting as well. So what about, um, Dr. Rob, the uh, crisis competence? What is that? That's something that you're working on, right?
1: C- crisis competence is a term that actually is a form of resilience. It's a term that was developed uh, talking and thinking about uh, gay men, and, and other sexual and gender minorities that faced the HIV-AIDS pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, as a community, the LGBTQI community experienced a, a lot of discrimination um, in the context of HIV-AIDS. But as a community, it was able to really rally a lot of, of social capital and, and, and to fight for, for rights. And that concept of crisis competence is how certain minority groups, in the face of adversity, are able to develop coping strategies that allow them face subsequent crises with a little bit more oomph, a little bit more hardiness. Hmm, And then this is something that I'm really interested in studying in relation to COVID-19 among the LGBT community.
0: Right. And you'll tell us about your, your research coming up as well. And it makes me think about people who've been through, you know, like Holocaust survivors and people who thrived after like horrible, horrible things. From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Tonight we're talking about COVID and coping, but from a neurobiological point of view, we have uh, two neuroscientists on with us tonight, Dr. Robert Paul Juster of the University of Montreal, who's conducting a study which he'll tell you about and maybe you can participate in. I did. (laughs) I did my part. Uh, Daniel Almeida is a uh, a neuroscience researcher at McGill University as well. You can find him on the Forbes magazine 30 under 30 list for science. So he's um, he's going to be like your next big guy in science for sure uh, sorry daniel but i'm so proud of you you know that having worked for so many years okay i want to share this because it'll lead us into what we're talking about next i suffer from an inward p- borderline personality these past few weeks as we've been talking about the second wave i somehow had a very strong suicidal tendencies something i've lived with for over 40 years I'm happy to say that I've been receiving very good help with my mental care team. I'm Anglophone, but have gotten all my help in the French system. I'm very fragile, but thankful my help is still strong and available. I'm so happy for you. Uh, But I do want to talk about suicide because the suicide rates have increased over the last seven months. Uh, uh, What's the research on that?
2: Yeah, so I think if you look at a bunch of models of sort of what predicts increases in suicide, you have things like social isolation as a predictor, hopelessness, which I think a lot of people are experiencing, Mm -hmm. not knowing when all of this is gonna end, and then also financial crises, right? Right. Um, This is a very big uh, predictor. There was a, a projection that was done by the University of Toronto that suggested that as unemployment rates increase during the coronavirus pandemic, we're seeing increases or we will start to see increases Um, In suicide, I think what will be really important is that we have responsible media um, around suicide and when suicide does happen, more so focusing on education as opposed to sort of the fact that somebody died by suicide, Mm -hmm. Um, more so educating about mental health
0: one thing one thing i have to say if we can find the silver lining in all of this is that we have been talking so much more about mental health issues so much more uh so that is the the silver lining i wish we didn't have to do that in this in these conditions we should have done it before these conditions happened. but at least more and more people are talking about it and studying it which i'm grateful for as well so uh dr Jester, tell us a little bit about your work in this area
1: Sure. And first, let me just say thank you so much for, for participating in my survey. Um, so because I'm a stress scientist, most of the work that I do relies on bringing people into my lab and, and looking at stress physiology. But I can't do that right now. Right. right now, I'm focusing on an online survey that's interested in how sex and gender are related to stress, coping, resilience, and mental health. Um, it's a 30-minute survey. Um, it can be done. Um, you can look at on Facebook. My lab is Lab Caesar. Just type in my name, Robert Paul Jester, and it's um, you get a chance of winning hundred dollars. And just to return it back to suicide, we did some preliminary analysis. We got about two thousand people already. Um, What we're finding is two groups of people are very at high risk of uh, mental health problems: gender nonconforming, I'm sorry, gender nonbinary people, as well as bipolar, I'm sorry, um, bisexual and pansexual individuals are showing are showing the highest uh, risk of, of suicide, depression and anxiety, and, and that's that's quite alarming.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: we need to look at this more. Everyone is welcome to participate in the study, not just uh, the LGBT community, especially men. We, we need more men in this study. I okay. mean, um, we're going to follow it up trying to understand what are the different social ba- variables that are explaining those differences. So, you know, bisexual individuals are a group that don't necessarily garner the same social supports and community resources that, for instance, gay men have. Okay. Um, so we want to go further into looking in that.
0: And what other hypotheses do you have that could explain this?
1: So we expect that LGBT individuals are going to be experiencing poor mental health, but we also expect that um, subgroups that have faced adversity in the past, like older gay men, uh, are going to show this crisis competence. And so we're, we're keeping our eye out in, in the way that we're looking at our data to try and really get at this resilience pathway. And, and from that identify what is it about those people um, that makes them resilient and what can they teach the rest of the population. So we actually uh, submitted a grant today um, in the hopes of of being able to look at this a little bit further, um, not just with this online survey, but with qualitative interviews, with focus groups, as well as by measuring stress hormones in people's hair.
0: In people's hair, you could do that?
1: Yeah, yeah. So if you take a strand of hair, uh, you can actually look at what stress hormones were like three to six months ago. And so everyone now is, would be in a period of time where we would be able to look at what was their stress level three to six months ago, what is it now? And then if we follow people over time, we'll be able to see how it, it changes um, and then correlate that to a lot of the different variables that we're looking at in this survey.
0: That's so fascinating from a strand of hair.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I love what you guys do. <laughs> I, I wish I had <laughs> done more of that science stuff. It's so fascinating and we learn so much so if um if people want to want to get get in touch with you or they want to fill out the survey what how do they do that
1: so you can find us on facebook uh, lab caesar Um, i'm also on twitter rob paul juster um and the name of the study is coronavirus crisis Competence. um and uh it's it's totally anonymous you you get a chance to win a hundred bucks and um it'll be a great way to contribute to, to, to science. To
0: science, yeah. Well, I, I hope so. I'm, we're putting this out to our passion community who are actually are a wonderful, wonderful group of people who are have been, throughout this pandemic, they have amazed me with how they have helped each other and um, come together. It, it has been the most heartwarming. That's the other silver lining is I really... So many people have just reached out to each other through the show, which has been just something that has been amazing. So I know I'm counting on you people uh, to fill out this survey. It won't take much time. I don't even think it took me 30 minutes, but it's just a little bit of your time. Give you something to do. If you're bored <laughs> and you'll be helping science. So we're going to put this up on my uh, Facebook page as well. So if you go to my public page, Dr. Lori Batito it will be up there. It'll be on Daniel's page on, on Facebook. Daniel is his last name is A L M E I D A. That's how you're up there, right? On, on Facebook and uh, Dr. Robert Paul Juster, J U S T E. ER. so look for that or if they google coronavirus crisis competence study would they get to it
1: i think so especially through facebook and and definitely with with my name attached
0: okay wonderful uh, gentlemen thank you thank you for the work you're doing for bringing science to us who uh we can learn something and and you made it really relatable so uh, we really appreciate that keep up the amazing that you guys are doing
1: Thank you to you. You're doing great work
0: as well. Oh, thank you. You're sweet. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, thank you for all of your texts. I'm so sorry that I did not get to read all of them, although, let me just get a couple. Uh, suicides are up 15% per 100,000 in Canada, 2020, January to August. 2019 yeah that's it uh, that's so good that mental health issues are being addressed here tonight and so many other nights as well super and uh important. are you uh, on the net other than facebook or twitter somebody wants to know for the study
1: uh, so it's facebook uh twitter i think i'm on instagram as well
0: okay um and uh, and if you is there a website there there isn't a
1: website it's complicated you have to go through my my regional hospital so
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay why don't you just text me or email me and i'll connect you how's that i'll get the proper link but or just go and you'll find the link i'll attach the link to the podcast on my website how's that that might work uh, actually quite well uh thank you all so much uh for taking part in this show thanks to nicole proano our technical producer tonight uh, you can find me on social media at Bettito, my last name spelled B-E-T-I-T-O. Or you can go through my website, drlori.com, where if you go to the Passion Radio tab, you will find the podcast of all past shows, including this one. And on this one, I will include the link uh, to, uh, to fill out this survey. So I encourage you to do that. Coming up next year on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening. Stay safe and remember to live your life with passion.